Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 30 questions a show where each week we ask 30 questions about each episode of the new series on Disney+. Plus. I am your host, Adam Portress, and joining me today, that's not a sock over his head, sweep Sean's Kovacs from the internet. Son, you got a panty on your head. <laughs> and he won't ask you to scoot your seat up because his feet don't even touch the floorboard. Bruce Leslie. Get me a toddler, hi. <laughs> we are back, <laughs> boys and girls. This is uh, Season 1, Episode 3, entitled The Power Broker. And let me tell you something. Uh, I could just when the when the name Power Broker came out, I could feel the earth where Bruce Leslie, like the end of uh, you know Batman, <laughs> like the Justice League, where Superman screams out and it goes through everywhere. I just heard Bruce going, "Yes, I got it correct. <laughs> Take that, world. <laughs> I won this one." Uh, so let's get into it, boys. Here's question number one. Uh, this is just a little uh, crazy one from me. New Cap says that Carly must be funneling money to, quote, someone I can't see. Why does he say it like this? Uh, does this, along with the shield throwing, fuel any ideas that Walker isn't as normal as he claims? Or am I just reading way too much into a weird wording? I don't know if the wording has anything to do with it. But I think we're going to find out he's been juiced all along and he's trying to say he's all natural, but he's really, you know, the Mark McGuire formula for success. Yeah, I agree with what Bruce just said. I think that there's, you know, the first episode that was a full episode with new cap in it. We kind of got bamboozled a little bit because, you know, he's, he appeared to be so earnest, but now that you see him when pressure is applied, it's uh, he's a different person. He is he is not nearly who he appeared to be in the first episode. Yeah. A little bit more kind of cutthroat and le less of the like, you know, the smiling guy we see on Good Morning America and more just like a I'll stab a fool if I don't get this, you know, working the way yeah. I want it to. Yeah. Question two. Were you guys expecting Battlestar to be John Walker's voice of reason? Definitely not. I mean, you you may remember the question I asked last week where I thought that he was going to be like the big the big secret bad in all of this. Yeah. And now it doesn't appear like that's going to be the case at all. Also, I want to bring something up here. I absolutely hate those guys costumes. Oh, really? I do. I hate New Caps costume. I hate Battlestar's costume. I think that you're supposed to. I think that they're supposed to be muted and ugly and they've nailed it. I can't stand their costume. I certainly don't care for the A. In the star and everything. I think, like, we're trying to... And again, that's probably... Maybe it's part of the idea is that we're combining, you know, like, the old and the new and all of this crap and trying to rebrand as, let's be frank, even comic companies do from uh, many a time. Remember that eagle on top of the head with uh, in, in Liefeld's run of... Uh, oh, yeah, that's yes. awful. Sure. Uh, so it's, it's not as bad as that, but it's still not great. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think that with John Walker's costume, with Johnny's costume, they've got a pretty good U.S. agent vibe, which that's, makes sense. That's exactly what I think, is they'll, they'll yeah. just take the A's and stuff off because it's very U.S. agent D vibe, for sure. Now, Battlestar, that doesn't really bother me. I think it's pretty cool. It's not as cool as his ridiculous comic book costume, but, you know, they got to tone that stuff down for screen. Um, but no, I'm not particularly bothered by the costumes. He kind of looks like he's in some sort of extreme sport or something like that. It looks like more of a like a like a late '90s, early 2000s superhero thing as opposed to kind of what we're used to getting these days. I think that's why I don't like it. Is that it reminds me of the first X-Men movie. Yeah, it's it's very much that with the the proper lines for the weird star and everything. And I guess like his head is the tip of the star or something. I don't know. It's a little strange. <laughs> yeah, the, your head is the tip of a star is strange. I, I, I don't but, know. 
But back to the original question, I didn't expect Battlestar to be the voice of reason. I thought they were going to kind of be like a, an inverted mirror image of Sam and Bucky, you know, mm-hmm. but, but now that I've seen him being that, it kind of makes sense. Like, like you gotta show just like Johnny Walker is out there, not just because he's there to be out there, but, but you need something to, to, to point against him. So he seems a little more special in his uh, viciousness or insanity or whatever you want to end up calling it at the end of the day. I'm not willing to write him off as 100% good yet. I don't know. There's just something in the back of my head that's just like, I, you know, you're okay, but I'm going to keep my eye on you just in case because (laughs) there seems like there just could be something hiding behind. Maybe he's saying all the things that we're supposed to be hearing. I don't know. But there's something about him that still, uh, maybe it's just the way that the actor has chosen to, you know, uh, have his his swagger be and just kind of stand and head cocked to the side all the time, just going like, what's wrong with you, man? I, I just... There's something about him. I'm just like, I don't 100% trust you yet. He may be a great, he may end up being the the savior that that side needs perhaps, but right now I'm still judging him a little bit. Oh, I think, I think he's going to be a, a very big bad by the end of the series. I do. Number three, Sean. The scene was probably shot before the pandemic, but when the new cap gets spit on, did it make you realize that if you get spit on now, that's immediate grounds for an ass kicking? Here's my question uh, uh, on your question. Did it take this pandemic for somebody spitting in your face to like get you to start throwing hands? Because I would have done that ahead of time. Like anybody, well, the, trust it, me. The, 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 you're, and you're not wrong. But there is there was at one point, like if you're getting spit on, if you're getting spit on by somebody, uh, there is the thing where like uh, you need to walk away like that, like, you know, there would be that moment. Now that moment is gone. It's it's just now it's just hands getting thrown. Here's how I contextualize it. Pre pandemic, if someone spits in your face, that's, you know, legally defined as assault. Post-pandemic, it becomes aggravated assault, you know, because it's more than just the act of the spit. There's the, uh, you know, the the next level component to it. Right. So, yeah. So I think whatever your pre-pandemic level is, you you take it up one notch. I yes. want to go back to the days where you could just spit at somebody. It was just assault, not aggravated assault. Call me <laughs> <Yes>. old-fashioned. <laughs> I'd rather do six months in county than six years in prison, you know? It, that's Yeah, see? That's, it doesn't make much sense. But I've I, it's always killed me, like, in any movies, and they've done this for, like, you know, eons at this point, where, like, a character gets spit at, and he just kind of sits with it on his face just a little bit too long and takes it way too easy. I'm just like, bro, why are you not going bananas at this point? Especially if somebody's like right there beside you and then spits right in your eye and you just kind of sit there, give them a cold stare down for a couple of seconds and then wipe it out. I would have just, I'd just be like, ah, what are you doing? What are you spitting me, you gross it's, dirt? Yeah, it's usually a villain that pulls that move off and it's supposed to show you how cold and calculating they are. Yeah. That you can't inflame their emotions. But even got the, this plan. I still feel like, you know, uh, you know, the man with no name had at least one of those situations where it's just, you know, Eastwood just going like, ah, this son of a bitch spit at me. Ah, whatever. And like, and he, sure, he shoots him later, but my word. It's just, uh, it gets it, it gets worse with COVID. There's no doubt about that. Though. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, come Number on, four. dude. This made bad even worse. <laughs> Let's go to something less gross. Number yes, four. Please. Indeed. In this episode, we get a, a, a lab that has a secret entrance through a shipping container, a jailbreak, and a countrywide bounty run. I'm sure that uh, at some point in this uh, show, Zemo is going to double-cross our guys. Or given these great action movie moments that we've gotten so far, do you guys think that we'll see even a triple or quadruple cross? 
I'm going to go ahead and call it up right now. A quintuple cross. Man. Whoa. Those are rare. Those are Whoa. very rare. <laughs> He'll even betray someone that isn't introduced until after the betrayal. <laughs> he goes back in time. But I feel I, like these I, I think everything I, th I think as everything is getting cranked up here, especially since Wakanda has now shown up in the show. Uh, you know, I mean, Zemo is a number one bad guy to Wakanda. It, it makes sense that yeah. that, you know, it, like it's they're, they're just ratcheting up tension, which is fantastic. Yeah, I want to I, I like all of that sort of uh, just nonsense where we're going back and forth. I, I love how when Zemo leaves, we think he's flown the coop and everything, but comes back with his car. So it's just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm not crossing you yet. Yet. Because <laughs> you feel that that's coming at some point. But I think that they've got to go, oh, he he left us, he got us, he did us, he did us wrong. Then he comes back, then he'll do you wrong one more time. It's the Loki situation that we're, you know, kind of dealing with again. The guy you love to hate. Question five. I think we get like one of those naked gun where it's like i don't know uh, maybe you could give me some money and i'll tell you give some 20 bucks he's like i don't know maybe you give me some money i'll tell you he gives him the 20 bucks back i'm doing that for 14 minutes <laughs> hey this show Question number five sorry i didn't mean to derail us so badly so early on sorry is zemo reading machiavelli a little too on the nose like did it make anybody else groan besides I, me you know you know how on uh the 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 mothership podcast i said that that moment when kong has to relocate his shoulder yeah uh, like i was done Th this is very close to that moment for me and with this is that First of all, no one's letting that dude read Machiavelli in prison. It's just, it would never ever happen. Yeah. And two, like, hey, hey, writers, like, like we get we get that Mac what Machiavelli is. Like everybody knows what that is, and we understand that you need to have like some sort of like like fake smart thing in in the prison with him. But could you go one degree? A, a different way with that. I, I mean, literally Machiavelli is like, it's just like, I mean, come on guys. Like let's, let's, let's think of any other, any other author, any other title. There's a million you could go with. Okay. Now I got one. Now let me tell you, let me see how this one hits you because it's a, it's an, another obvious one that would make me roll my eyes. Sun Tzu's art of war. That well, was another one. too. That's, that's another that's, one. That, you're like, really dude. <laughs> You're right. And that's a, that again, that's fake smart. That's that, that's not smart. You know, like like you could have made it something like how to win friends and influence people. You could, you know, like Carnegie's book, you could make it a bunch of other things that that like informs the person who's watching the show. Oh, that's because that's a joke, but it's hidden within the joke is information. Yeah. And so, like that's what that's what that moment needed. It didn't need on the nose. Look how badass our badass is. Like, let's go a different way with this. Harry Potter think, and the Sorcerer's Stone. I, I think you put like uh, maybe John Milton on there. There's like three books you can't have the villain reading, right. and Machiavelli, The Art of War, and then Paradise Lost are probably those three books. Right. I, like you don't I need them totally there reading agree. out loud. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. I mean, that's also two on the nose. Right. He's reading Watchmen. <laughs> now that would have been perfect. <laughs> I know that in you would all movie, <laughs> in a Marvel movie. You're reading a DC comic. That would have been perfect. <laughs> Question six. 
How much money does Zemo have? Is it infinite like Tony Stark's money? Man, that is a great question because I'm thinking Zemo probably shouldn't have any money because the country he got it all from doesn't exist anymore. He's in prison where, like, I understand you might have a bunker filled with gold that the government doesn't know about and can't get to, but, like, you got to register jetliners. You know, private jets get seized by the government and auctioned off when you go to prison, I would imagine. It's Randy Zemo. Uh, that's It's a completely <laughs> different guy. <laughs> so don't worry about it. I, I don't know. He might have enough, but... Uh, I feel like he's got to have something kind of in reserve in order to really... I mean, it's a plot thing for sure, but you're not wrong. There's His money and everything probably should have been, uh, uh, you know, confiscated at some point. Like, how is this butler getting paid while Zemo's doing time for the last couple of years? Right. How's he at even least filling five his years. day, you know, because he's like yeah. 90 years old? I was going to say, how's he still alive? He's like 100 <laughs> years old, that guy. Yeah, if you go to prison and that guy is your butler and you're not allowed any phone calls... How much are you really going to count on him, A, having survived the blip, and B, still being alive when you get out? The only reason I'm clinging to life is for this pension check every month. And in my head canon, he also flies the jet like Alfred would if it was Batman. Oh, yeah. He just puts it on autopilot. And I don't know nothing about private planes or anything, but how many of them have galleys? Is that a, like... The plane's not that big. It's just I think you're talking to the wrong crowd. None of the three of us are private jet guys. I'm sorry. So well, it depends anything. on it depends on if it's an airstream or if it's a Gulfstream. I mean, airstream is a trailer. Yeah, whether it's a <laughs> Gulfstream or a Sikorsky. I think it just depends on what private plane it is. I, 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 how would we know? He's like, let me go uh, over to the west. Flown on a G6, but I mean, like the Pontiac G6 affordable car, not plane. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. Number seven, 15 years ago, could you have imagined not only would we be getting Baron Zemo, but we would call him Baron Zemo, and he'd also look pretty darn close to comic accurate without getting silly, and that that's exactly what we needed, and no one says that looks silly? 15 years ago? No way. No way. I, I, I don't think I'm... Uh, I have a weird relationship with Baron Zemo anyway. Like, I really, really like the Secret Wars action figure, but never really followed him that much in the comics. So 15 years ago, I would have thought it would be impossible to give me that that character in a live-action movie and have it work. And where's his gold tiara if it's so accurate? Well, yeah, that's what I. That's where the, uh, without it looking silly, because the second we start putting a tiara, but here's the thing, man. Well, we've, we've still got three more episodes. That tiara will probably. That's what I'm up. saying. At some point like this, we are at a, we are at a time in comic book media that it is not without the realm of possibility that you could do that and pull it off because we've, we've done a lot of crazy crap at this point. Yeah. So I, I, you know. They, they I mean, might the tiara give us a has to control to cool. something. They they even put the tiara on Luke Cage briefly in that Luke Cage show. But, you know, it'd be one of those brief throwaway moments. Yeah, you couldn't have that on all the time. But, boy, did it look cool. Yeah, now, granted, you can maybe put, like, let's say he gets captured and he has the mask on and they're trying to humiliate him. It's like, oh, you're the Baron. Well, let me give you a little crown here or something like that. You, you or or imagine that. if he has some kind of, like, uh, high-tech device that when he puts it on on his head allows him to remote control a drone or something and it kind of looks like the tr like they do that kind of stuff sometimes yeah that wouldn't be horrible look the two i mean the two movies that completely changed marvel and and therefore comic book movies is uh guardians of the galaxy and thor ragnarok like after those two movies everything's on the table now <laughs> yeah yeah you can just do anything and and we just go okay 
All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That looks like the comic book stuff. Great. That's exactly what we want, and we and we love it. And it doesn't it, it doesn't look corny now. We've we've gotten to the point where we know how to you know modernize things and make them enough in real life to where you just don't go. Well, this is ridiculous. So anything could happen. Question eight. In the trunk of one of Zemo's classic cars is a golden gun. Are the shows are the show's creators implying there's a link between Zemo and the Bond villain, the man with the golden gun? I, th- I I thought this was a good question, and when watching this again, there's at least one other guy within like the uh, our crazy city. I forget the name of it. Uh, Madripoor. Madripoor. That has that has a gold gun on him. So I'm thinking everybody's just like big John Woo face-off fans, and they're like, "Yeah, man, we <laughs> we got two golden guns here, and we're just doing whatever." But because Zemo, particularly this Zemo, does feel a lot like a Bond villain. Yeah. Yeah, sitting in the uh, the the jail there and everything, like I've got all the answers that you need, Mister, you know, Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, he just needs a cat to pet. That would that would really set things off. But I, I also have to admit, like you know, I've probably seen every James Bond movie at least once, but I'm not like a deep dive diehard James Bond lore kind of guy. So I don't know if there's. I really don't even know the story about who the man with the golden gun is. It's been so long. I remember, like, I watched those movies as as a kid and stuff just because dad, you know, when, when you have a dad who's now, yeah, like, in his late here, 60s, dad's going to throw on that stuff all the time, right? And so yeah. that's where I kind of remember watching them and stuff, but I just don't remember a lot of the plots outside of, like, you know, the, the later years once, once we get into the Brosnan category because that's when I was growing up, so that was kind of my bond. Yeah. Number nine, Sean. In Madripoor, Zemo likes the nightlife. He loves the boogie. But how did he have time? He was hell-bent on getting his vengeance against the Avengers, and then he was in prison. Does the man sleep? Well, looking at how he danced in the club, Mm. I don't think it would be a stretch to to suppose that perhaps this is the first time this man has ever danced. (laughs) Well, he's a fist mover. You know, yeah, yeah, the- he, and he's you know he's a he's a a, a a white European descent, so he's he's not going to be great at the dance. You don't see a lot of white guys on solid gold. Yeah, you know? the the majority of white guys, <laughs> the simulated boxing dance is what we kind of default to as as right. you know that's your regular go to when it comes yeah. to dancing because most it, of us aren't all that good. It had a serious Toby Maguire as emo Peter Parker dance to it to me. For sure, yes. <laughs> it wasn't that that, that outrageous though. <laughs> I wish it was, uh, but no, it's it's fun enough. But I yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, what what is this guy? He is he's known to everyone, knows all of the things. But th- I I think we've all known people like that where they walk into a place and you're like, how do you know everybody here? So he could yeah. be, he could just be one of those dudes. Maybe maybe. I still say it's the first time he's ever been in a dance club from what I saw. Come on, ladies. You know you like it. Question 10. We live in a time where the cyberpunk aesthetic is back in a big, bad way with purples, blues, yellows, and pinks every which way. Where do you guys stand on the new cyberpunk aesthetic resurgence that we've been seeing lately? Eh, I mean, it's like a 20-year cycle, so I guess it makes sense. I I mean, I I don't like it any more or less now than I did then. I'm getting old enough that when things cycle back around, sometimes I don't realize it ever went away. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, yes, you're absolutely right, Bruce. It's all cyclical, you know, um, in, in a year or two, we're going to phase out from that into probably grunge again. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're that's kind of where we're headed. So I think that it, I, I love the look. I think it's a great look, but it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be here for long. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can, cyberpunks. <laughs> All the cyberpunks being really mad that they can't. It's <laughs> 2023. Nobody likes cyber stuff anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. See you in 2041, bro. <laughs> uh, 11, Bruce. Do snake innards make anything taste better? I don't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> now, I could. Here's the thing. I know for sure that given the opportunity for this drink, I'm about 98% sure Sean would just be like, no, thank you, sir. Get away from me with that. Would I be correct in that assumption? That is correct. Yes. yes. Bruce is a, is a wild card because I can see him going, no, thank you. But part of like, you, you also got a weird daredevil streak in you as well. I would say, sir, could you please put that in some chocolate milk for me instead? <laughs> Turn that bad boy up real fast. I might try it. I might try it. I'm like, uh, I'm a try anything once kind of person. But at that point, though, wouldn't you like if somebody if you're playing someone else, you go to a bar and the guy goes, uh, what do you want? Your usual just be like, no, thank you. I'm good. Like yeah. you don't have to say yes to whatever they give sure. you because God knows what they're going to give you. Like I'm not thirsty right now. I had a Sprite on the way here. And, and you know, from a certain perspective, the point of shots is to keep taking them until you vomit. So why not just vomit after the first one and call it a yeah, night? Get so it put go- that snake in there. Get it going ahead of time. But I love the idea that they keep a snake around ready to go. A fresh one, no less. <laughs> what if two people come in and order the same shot? And you only got one snake. You just split it, I guess. You save it for him and him alone. It's like, hey, you haven't been in here a while. Do you want your usual? I'll go to the snake pit that's right inside the bar. <laughs> They're like, thank God he came in. We've gone through so many mice in the past five years waiting on him. <laughs> or the snakes die off and because they, they get too big. You got to flush them down the <laughs> toilet or something like that. <laughs> and thus leads into uh, the lizard arc of Spider-Man 3. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Question 12, Sean. On the plane, Zemo has his 90-year-old butler bring food to Falcon and Winter Soldier, but doesn't eat any of it himself. Would you have eaten that food? Absolutely now, he, not. <laughs> yeah, you can take the whole supervillain thing out of it. This guy's been in prison minimum five years, you Mm -hmm. know, because he went to prison before the blip. We know the blip was this five-year thing. So do you think that butler is really putting fresh food on the private jet, or is this just whatever was around in five and a half, six years ago, the last time Zemo flew on the plane? Like, like to me, it's a whole freshness factor. Well, he even says the refrigerator's broken. (laughs) He goes, the refrigerator's broken. Some of this stuff might be bad. A private jet and a butler, but not a refrigerator repairman. Well, he didn't know he was going to. It was like, it was one of those things that was probably on a to do list. It was like, he's in prison. He's got another eight years at least before he breaks out. Oh, crap. He's I'm going to be dead before he's ever out of prison. Yeah. So there's no need for me to rush this in. You got to wait for a guy that give you a window that you'd never want to. No, forget all of that. So he's just, you know, the champagne's a little bit warm. So sorry, the refrigerator refrigerator's broken but if you have any of that gross food that might make you throw up <laughs> you give it to these, these boys. deviled eggs <laughs> but the nice thing is because i watched 
they don't eat any of it. They so that's good. so it's good on them that they were weren't just like, oh look, a, a sandwich. No, don't I mean, do that. If it's that. a Twinkie still in the wrapper, it's probably fine. But I'll, beyond that, no way. Yeah, exactly. No, thank you. Thirteen, uh, Adam. Thirteen, Sean. What do you think about Sam's shoe game? All right. So before we get into this, because we're going to get into this, <laughs> do is uh, uh, now I'm guessing that you're probably talking about him with the line, right? Where he, where he's wearing high heels. Is not that what you're talking not about? really. Just the regular because he was wearing some fly looking sneakers early on in the show. He is, and you know he has he has a good selection. Um, and also he switches it off because he's not, he's not always wearing sneakers, you know, keep in mind he's, he's military first. Yeah. So he, 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 he wears a lot of boots and he wears a lot of like, uh, like tactical gear, which, which works for the character and works for Sam. Um, I like that when he's hanging out with his family, he is not tactical at all. I, I believe he's wearing, I, I could be wrong, but I believe it's Puma when he's around them. And that's a good pair. It's nice. And it means that he keeps shoes that he only wears for special occasions. And I am also that man. So I like that he has that same thing. Uh, it shows that he cares, but that's also, that also could be something that just is a cultural thing. It's, you know, not everybody behaves like that. I do, but not everybody does. And I like that, that like, Oh, I have my clothes that I, that I wear for going out or for, you know, like fancy dress or whatever. And then I have the, the clothes I wear to get stuff done. Yeah. I have my nice casual clothes and then my real casual clothes. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, like that's, a, that's pretty informative of the character. And I like that. I, I like that they do that with him. Um, I would, I would expect that with Sam, he probably has maybe like maybe two or three pairs of those. Um, and that's probably about it. And then he's got his, you know, his tactical gear and that's great. Like that's, that's, that's going to, that's going to hold him over. So, so a tangential question here, Sean, mm-hmm. that everybody probably wants to know, but like, what is the, the, the bottom of the shoe barrel, not counting like, you know, the, the, the store brand shoes, but I mean like a legitimate shoe company, but like, this is when you've got the worst choice in, in who's sneakers. making trash. Like well, if, if British Knights were still around, I would vote for <laughs> British Knights. Oh, BK Knights? Oh, yeah. man. MC Hammer rep those, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. I, well, I can tell you that just from a uh, you're going to kill your feet perspective, uh, uh, Converse, Converse All-Stars, if you don't have uh, like secondary market stuff that you're putting in them, uh, that's bad news. And and a lot of people wear those just because of the look of them, you know, like like Converse. Yeah, but there's a, yeah, there's a Chuck, there's there's a Chuck Taylor aesthetic though. Like I can uh, at least understand that you know they're going for something. Right, and and, and I do understand that. Um, but the those very specifically, uh, if you don't have something else in those shoes, uh, I feel very bad for you because they. I mean, you're basically walking around on an old tire <laughs> with a piece of canvas tied to your foot. Yeah, basically. They and, did and, I, a couple years ago. I bought some low top Chuck Taylors that were kind of like modified, so they're like more like Vans, if you will, because mm-hmm, they're kind of padded mm-hmm. and everything. That was a pretty quality shoe. It lasted uh, a good while, but it had the had the same Chuck Taylor aesthetics, but more more of a uh, an actual shoe as opposed to just canvas and a little bit mm-hmm. of a you know rubber on top. Can I tell you what I think is my idea of the worst possible sneaker choice? Please. <laughs> 
and, and that's when you'll occasionally, usually it's a celebrity or something, but they've got like Louis Vuitton sneakers because you know, they're super expensive. They look stupid. They're uncomfortable. And it's like, why not just get a real sneaker? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things in shoe culture that like, I don't quite understand. I see a lot of these new sneakers that like, you know, people, I mean, and everybody's got different tastes. That's fine. But I look at a lot of them and I just go like, I don't understand the appeal. I mean, they look interesting, but I don't think they look good. What were those uh, sneakers from Sears that we love so much from the Superman movie, Sean? Oh, the winner too. Yes. That that's, that's when shoe game peaked. With the winner too, and I keep looking into them uh, online to see if I can get like a, a fresh pair of them, and they are so expensive for such a bad shoe. I'm I'm just not going to buy them. <laughs> yeah, that's the the pain of wanting something stupid is you have to be stupid to actually get it. That's the pain I feel a lot. I mean, it's it's literally you're talking about $120 for a pair that has barely been worn and looks brand new, and they are terrible sneakers. Ugh. Question, Question 14. number 14. We get a twofold comic book reference with Sam's cover this episode. One is Smiling Tiger, but the other is Snap Wilson. Do you think they wanted to include a Snap Wilson reference and had to work hard to find a safe way to do it? Well, I, I think that it's, yes, I do. I, I think that's exactly what they did. Because, you know, Snap Wilson is very, is, is super problematic yes, <laughs> so like to say the least. So like to, you know, to have kind of like a backdoor snap Wilson kind of a thing and make him more like a matches Malone than what he is, you know, yeah, is, is probably a great idea and a smart idea. And, it, and, and if they never return to it again, that's fine. You know? Yeah. And, and I think they, they, I think they, I didn't think they could ever do a snap Wilson reference and then the way they did it here, the, I think they threaded the needle expertly. Yeah. And and they even had like, you know, it was Sam that said, hey, I look like a pimp. And for people that don't know, Snap Wilson was basically when Marvel decided black exploitation was onto something and they wanted to turn Falcon into Dolomite. But he says, I look like a pimp. And then they even have, uh, of all people, Zemo say, only a stupid American would think a fashion forward black man look like a pimp. You know, so they, they yeah. really thread that needle well. And, and in but some crazy like, countries, oh my God, man. They did it. They got us a Snap Wilson in, in live action. Yeah. yeah. But in, in some, you know, countries and stuff, there are some crazy wild suits and stuff out there that are just, you know, beyond insane. And it's it's like, well. Yeah, of course, that's what I wear out. It's it's this is me expressing myself, and okay, sure. I've had a few fine suit selections that you guys would never wear in public. No, oh, I could imagine that. <laughs> this is from the Steve Harvey collection. I love I love that man's suit. So great. I'm the only guy that buys work clothes at the Halloween store. <laughs> that's true. I, oh, I have seen I have seen that one. <laughs> Oh my word! The Batman suit. Oh boy! You remember the guy that runs around with the question marks all over his uh, suit, yep, trying yep. to tell you about right all the grants there. and crap you can get? That's what Bruce looks like. Free money. Terrible. Yeah. Fifteen. Uh, I, I could. Oh. I could totally see Bruce at like a Target or something. Like, hey, does this Rainbow Bright T-shirt come in a double XL mail? <laughs> I've made my way down to XL. I've been working hard this year. <laughs> oh, very good, buddy. Very good. 15. Uh, number 15, Sharon Carter has a personality now. As Falcon says, she's kind of awful, but at least they give her one. Do you think that she's going to get that pardoned by the end of the season? Now, I may have misinterpreted what we saw happen with Sharon at the end, 
but I kind of got the idea that she actually doesn't need the pardon. Like she, she meets a colleague, you know, there's the woman with the car and she gets in. So I got the idea for some reason that like, she's still working for the government, trying to keep tabs on what uh, Sam and Bucky are doing outside the the lines of what they're allowed to do. She, I, I feel like she's still working in some capacity. That's a higher level than they are. Oh, you took that as she's working super deep cover. Uh, either super deep cover or, you know, there is her own, like whatever, maybe she's part of sword since shield isn't around anymore. I, I don't know, but I feel like she's still actually not on the run. Like they would have us believe. Oh, interesting. And at the same time, you also want to say, you know, who else doesn't have extradition? France, go to France. That's got to be better than this place. This place is teeming with people that are trying to kill other folks. Go to France or Aruba. Yeah. They got great weather. Why not? Just seems like you went to a pretty horrible place there to uh, to kind of hide out if you're looking to stay under the radar because those those cats are crazy over there. Sixteen. Uh, if you're Sam, uh, pardon me. If you're Sam, Bucky, and Zemo, are you a little flattered by the fact that they've uh, got a one thousand Bitcoin price on your head? I think I turned my own self in for that. <laughs> <laughs> for the, as of the time of this recording, that's about fifty-eight million dollars. That that's pretty good. And it, and it, John Wick style goes out to everybody that's out there, which I thought is another great thing. That's like you're living in a yes, world of assassins, and everyone who's going to come after you once they just go, we're going to give you fifty-eight million dollars if you catch these boys. Well, yeah, that's enough of incentive, I'll tell you. Yeah, honestly, I'm like, okay, give me the money. I'm here <laughs> for 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 500 Bitcoin. I can hire somebody to bust me out of here, and I still got a lot of Bitcoin. The real question is, is like, there's only a few people in that room, and that is for that that price on their head is for the murder of that woman, right? How who has the wherewithal then within that group that just goes well? I have access to all of our cryptocurrency and I'm going to be the one who now puts out, you know, the, the bounty on these dudes. I thought that was also kind of strange. <laughs> just like Greg from accounting hey, is going to just go like, well, I don't know if we can. It's a, it's a comic book show. So she probably has like an app that reads her heartbeat oh. and if her heart stops beating that automatically gets sent out. It's like, you know, I like that. Her oh. Fitbit registered. She was dead. So that was an automatic message sent out. It did, but she didn't actually have to pay anybody that money. It did take a little bit of time for it to hit everyone's phone. So it does make sense. Yeah. Dude, totally $58 million price tag on my head right now. <laughs> 17, Bruce. This show does something a lot of shows and movies do. It has people dealing in high-end stolen art. So how do you get away with that? I mean, if you try to sell someone a Monet, don't they know it's stolen? I mean, it belongs in a museum, Dad. Let me tell you, Bruce, about an awesome movie called American Animals uh, yeah. that deals with this very thing, yeah. this very subject matter. Audubon art, right? Yes. It's where you and have all those pictures of cars running around the tracks. It is uh, It is a <laughs> wonderful movie. Um, and, and you learn about the realities of trying to uh fence stolen artwork yeah it, it always seems tough you know you're not going to get and, somebody from and, uh bloomingdale and here's to... what I, here's what i've read guys uh and you can't believe everything you read but you know movies show how high tech the security is in a museum but like actual art museums don't have any security at all because they're like if they steal it how far are they going to get before it's like somebody realizes hey they've got the mona lisa you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. They don't even really work that hard to, to have to protect it because it's hard to move it once it's stolen. 
And I don't know if it's actually true or I've just seen it enough in movies to where it's made me believe that it's real of that, like, you know, all the things, you know, the majority of things in the Louvre and all that kind of stuff are all fakes anyways. I've heard that. I don't know if it's like, it feels like, yeah, of course, I, I think I've heard that before, but have I heard it just from movies? I don't know. And then you add in the fake, someone who has morals questionable enough to steal art, it's probably easier for them just to counterfeit art and tell you they stole it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, that's part of tenant as well. So, you know, you got that in there. <laughs> and then, you know, somebody can argue, well, if the counterfeit's that good, what's it matter? It looks just as pretty in the living room. That's why I only collect screen print poster art. <laughs> <laughs> They're signed and numbered. <laughs> 18, Sean. Uh, 18, uh, I, 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 you've, you've made me dumb with that last statement, Adam. Well, uh, art. Art is art when is done well and fits your own, you know, your own aesthetic. It changes your life. Uh, but anyway, um, I got a ton of it. <laughs> you have art? Yeah, I got. I mean, like I got a ton of my he screen prints, print posters. Man. He has man. a lot of prints. Yeah, right. Are- but uh, there's a difference between art and movie poster prints. All right. I mean, there are people that make all of these. These they're original ones that aren't the like the ones that were printed up and you know put out by companies. He's also got like hand drawn Jim Lee art that I've seen. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That is. Yeah. So he's got. I mean, that's the only kind of art I really display. That's true. Other than my wife's sculptures. And every listen, every piece that I buy automatically doubles in price the second that that it, it you know the sale closes. That so. isn't what art is supposed to be I'm about. Just, I'm just saying people. It is not hold about on. a monetary hold value on. that you no, stick no, upon. Hold on, Sean. Imagine the way that sounded. It's like, what? What you've got? This poster for sale? Yeah, I'll give you twenty bucks. It was once owned by Adam Portress. Whoa, forty then. I'm not. <laughs> I like it that he is what brings the value. That is not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that there is a giant market for these things, and people buy a lot of them and pay a, a pretty penny for them as well. So it's you know it, it's a it's quite a legitimate art form. That's all I'm saying. Okay. 18 Sean. Yeah, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it for the enriching your life podcast that we'll make one day. When Enfy's nest blew up all those dudes, were you as surprised as I was? No, actually, I, I was. I, I I did not think that they were going to cross that line with her. I thought she's still going. I, I mean, I still think she's going to be sympathetic, a hero of sorts by the end. But it's going to take some real, uh, some real Sudoku problem solving to to line up what she just did with where I think she's going. See, that's that's where I always kind of with what we've put together in the short amount of time that we've seen this character is that I've taken her as someone who is got kind of that Magneto esque sort of thing. I'm doing something that's considered to be right and, and, and virtuous and everything, but I'm also willing to step on some necks to get there if that's what I've got to do. And so her saying that like, Hey, this is the only thing that these people understand. I, I believe that she truly means that. And that's what, you know, that's it's taking something that was a good you know idea and intention and everything and saying i'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to that point so i it didn't shock me all that much i was surprised i was quite honestly surprised and just just from the casting of that actress alone you know but now that now that i see now that i see what they did i'm like ah that's why you hired her now i get it 
Uh, 19, this one comes to us from listener Aaron. When one calls shotgun for the front seat, does that, does that, mm, pardon me, does that not come with the implication that the front seat can be pushed back? Buck gets his day. Aaron M. from Aurora, Illinois. Does anyone huh. know where the actual uh, shotgun comes from? Because I watch well, westerns. Well, I know what riding shotgun was, like on the old stagecoach. Yeah, that's exactly where it comes from. It's the old stagecoach thing where you know somebody's got to watch out for uh, villainous people or Native Americans and, and or whomever. That's, that's, that's why in the U.S. And... the passenger seat is on the right because that's where most uh, shotgun folks were right-handed. That was the easiest position for them to shoot while the wagon was moving. I guess they didn't have to do much shotgunning in uh, the UK, and that's why they drive on the left. That's strange. Guys, I want you to know that I learned something today. Yeah? Yeah. I I, I had no idea. I, I have learned something today. Thank you very much. But it's it's funny how you say the right-handed, though, Bruce, because I'm left-handed, and if I'm sitting in the passenger seat of a car, to me, that's far more advantageous because my trigger, trigger finger is my left hand, right? Well, you're devil-handed. Yeah. So See, people who aren't devil-handed most of the most of the population right. are right-handed. Exactly, but but that's my point. Is like if you've got the right side there, your elbow is going to be, you know, hitting back. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me how how well, a right-handed you person also would remember this right evolved when it wasn't like a passenger seat in a sedan that you rolled the window, leaned out, and shot your gun. It was a stagecoach. Yeah, but there's still that, like a covered wagon dealie behind you that your elbow's going to hit. Eh. You know, take it up with the guys who actually rode shotgun, not with me. But that's the explanation that I've always ran. Now, hold on a minute, Bruce. Are you telling me you don't know the ins and outs of Conestoga wagons? You I know, find that very hard to believe, sir. You know that when I provided protection services, I used a double-handed sword, so no guns came into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> they got to get real close to the wagon, though. <laughs> I call broadsword. <laughs> that's what we do in my family. <laughs> Number 20. The character Dr. Nagel was revealed to have done some horrific ex experimentation on human subjects in the comics. Do you think this show will go there? They could if they if they're looking to ramp things up, they totally could. Yeah, cuz I mean they were really really just um building sort of a comic book uh analog of the Tuskegee experiments and stuff mm -hmm. with Dr. Nagel in the comics. Okay, so. that's what I was going to ask. I was like they're not putting like, you know, the heads of chickens on cats or something, are they? Yeah, like in the comics, he's the guy who experimented on uh, Isaiah the whole time that, you know, Isaiah was in captivity and being experimented on. Mm -hmm. Kind of a Mingala kind of situation. All right. Yeah, I, I think that, if anything, that would be used to kind of just, like Sean said, ratchet stuff up. I think that makes the most sense. 21. 21 we've already kind of answered, but is New Cap going to take one of the remaining vials of the Super Soldier Serum? Okay, I'm going to turn this question into a new question because maybe the New Cap will be Sam at some point. No! And I think he will. So there, yes. Hmm. Yowza, yowza. Yeah, I think there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a chance for him to get there. I do like how we've uh he he put out numbers and stuff for how many that they've actually made and how many that they they took and stuff so does that leave two left if i remember the correctly i could be wrong but now i don't know how much is me like putting what i want to to happen into the show and how much actually happened on the screen did they at some point say that that serum those vials were made from isaiah's blood no okay so that's me just wanting to put comics in it's it. implied because it's 
it's implied my, through through the doctor that he was he was experimenting with Isaiah's blood, but they don't come right out and say that it's Isaiah's yeah, blood. Yeah, they just say it so, was a test subject that had like traces enough of the super serum in there that they could kind of figure out exactly right. what it was. So so I guess where I was going with that is it doesn't matter how many vials are left, we still have some of Isaiah's blood out in the world. Well, there's twenty vials left. Okay. And there's eight super soldiers. I think seven now, because didn't we kill that first one? Yes. So there's so so, but I mean, basically, that means that there's like you know, we could have uh, a whole mess of these guys out there. Yeah, we're talking we're talking basically twelve vials left if if they've all made it. And he was the only guy who could actually he was the only scientist to successfully replicate this system and everything, and he's dead now. So this may be uh, the last batch. Who's emo killed on purpose because he didn't want more information coming out of that guy's mouth? Yeah. Yeah. 22. Uh, this one comes to us from listener Joe S. I was shocked that you guys thought John Walker was a good guy after last week's episode. While he may not be racist or malicious, he seems privileged and egotistical in my opinion. Has this episode changed your views on this character? Thanks for all the great content. Joe S. I have to say yes, Joe. I think that I was a little more optimistic after the previous episode about the character arc for John than I am now. Yeah, I'm I'm right behind Bruce with this one. I I I was completely uh, uh, snowed by by John also. So I think that I think he is uh, he is not who he claims to be at this point. Twenty three, Bruce. If you're Carly, that's Infus Nest. Uh, what does victory look like? That's a good question because in a weird way, because they, I'm trying to kind of parse all of the politics out in this because the, the, the GDC, I think is the acronym. The, yes. Those GDC. guys, uh, they seem to, in a, in a strange way, want sort of the same thing that they want because they they also talk about you know no borders or boundaries or anything else like that. They're practically also taking you know a somewhat version of the real life build back better, which is a a thing a lot of you know global leaders and stuff are you know yapping about right now. Uh, so they kind of seem on board with that, but yet at the same time, I guess they think that those guys aren't working fast enough or doing all of the right things. That's I'm, it's it's tough to parse all the politics to really kind of figure out exactly what everybody's true thoughts is. So that's why this is a tough question for me because I can't quite nail her down yet. Well, I I also think she she's coming across to me like somebody who's really angry about the state of the world. But if you said okay, you know what, you're right, we'll do whatever you say we should do, then she wouldn't quite know what to tell everybody to do. Right, I, it's a very good question, man, because it's kind of like that one video clip where the reporter is talking to, you know, like a, like a 19 year old and she's like, why are you here? And the 19 year old says, eat the rich. <laughs> and, and the reporter asked the follow-up question of what does that mean to you? And she yeah. goes, it means eat the rich. Like she had nothing. She had nothing behind eat the rich. kind of, I'm just feeling like somebody, Carly is feeling like somebody who's really angry yeah. and lashing out. And, you know, she has a philosophy, wants to do away with national uh, with with nations and just be like one man on Earth. But 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 how exactly like does she just want pure anarchy with no <laughs> social safety nets or does she want one government ruling the whole world? Uh, I, I think that, like, if somebody said, OK, you're right, Carly, we'll, we're going to put you in charge. You do whatever you want. 
I don't know that she even knows what she would do. Well, you know, the the other thing about Infy's Nest and, and sorry to get off topic a little bit with this. One of the things that drives me crazy and, and it happened with with Bourne also with Jason Bourne series is that, you know, she is a striking lady. Like the second you see her, you're going to instantly know who she is because yeah. she's so unique and striking as a person. So how is she able to just freely walk about <laughs> where people are like, oh, yeah, I can tell you exactly what she looked like. And I can give you a very hyper accurate description. Yeah. Even people who aren't good at describing people could. Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie Solo? <laughs> <laughs> she looks like that person. She looks just like in Face Nest. Oh, and by the way, that's, today is the first day that I figured out because I was just like, you know, Sean had put that in enough questions where it was just like, all right, I, something there's that, that I'm missing here. That's a Game of Thrones reference if you're a person like me that never got to that that late into the season, whenever that is. It's probably like season three or something, but I never got there. So, What what are you talking about? The, 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 Infy's yeah, Nest is from Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, is that yeah. right? I thought it was yeah. something. Oh, well, right. A movie you've seen multiple times, Adam. <laughs> I've only seen it the once, and that was enough. Oh, I thought you'd seen it twice. Yeah, and she's basically the same character. You know, Infy's Nest has that crazy mask with all of, like, the points on the top, and, like, she's stealing medicine. I think that's and, what I think that's what made me, because I just saw the picture, and I'm just like, this got to be Game of Thrones, I, I right? I thought maybe you thought that Solo, a Star Wars story, was a late season of Game of Thrones just because it has Khaleesi in it. Sometimes I do drugs, Bruce. I, I don't... <laughs> Oh, we know. We can tell. <laughs> What's the next question? 24, shot. 24, what, what were those little metal balls that the bald lady from Wakanda kept dropping everywhere? I kept trying to think about what this could be. I think because the way the sound design is, it, it feels like they're probably emitting a little bit of something that, that he can hear. I, I'm, I maybe they're trying to, you know, if you put enough out, it will kind of like ping his location or something, maybe. Oh, so almost like a dog whistle kind of thing for the white wolf. Maybe, but at the same time, like it, it's like maybe that because his arm is made out of uh, a vibranium, right? Yeah. So maybe these things are some sort of like they can kind of ping vibranium, if you will. And if you put enough around the city or whatever, you could kind of get a, a triangulation as to where uh, he might be. I don't know. I, I just assumed there were some kind of bugs like she's just bugging every corner because she's trying to see what's going on. It's a very trying uh, to find Zemo. The conversation going on or something. Well, you know, just like uh, it's it's Wakanda. So they've got the technology to probably track the jet. From what from Madripoor to to whatever town they're in here, I can't remember now. It's Latvia somewhere, right? And and she's probably. I just thought they were like bugs, so she could listen in on conversations on the street or something until she found where Zemo was. That's a lot of combing through bad conversations. Uh, and next episode, they'll tell us that there's something totally totally different than that. But that's my assumption was not. I wasn't too preoccupied with what they were. I just figured it was some way for her to spy on them. They'll just Ayo, go, that's it's, her name, Ayo. It's Wakanda technology, and you just go, all right, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it's like anything else. You just get told a sentence, and you're like, all right, it adds up. Uh, this one comes to us from Larry Trulio from uh, Lexana. Uh, I don't know. Lenexa. Lenexa. That sounds like a great, uh, a, a great uh, over-the-counter. Uh, okay. Who is a better it's dancer? Present. yes. Who's a better dancer, <laughs> like this. Zemo or Bruce Leslie? Sean? Well, uh, you know, 
The fact of the matter is, I've only occasionally slow danced with Bruce Leslie. I've never <laughs> seen him on a dance floor. So I think we got to go to the man himself to ask. He hasn't been busting a move as much as we would do, like. Do either of you know the actor's name that plays Zemo? I don't have it dedicated to memory. Daniel Brule. So Daniel Brule, if you're listening, pick a charity. We'll do it via Zoom, socially distanced. Don't worry. Pick a charity. And if enough people pay to watch us have a dance off, I will beat your butt in a dance off. Oh, you about to get served, Zemo. The, the the ball is in your court, brother. So do do with that what you will. One hundred percent of the proceeds have to go to the charity, though. No, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> because I may need some medical help after I win this dance contest. Because I will not hold back. <laughs> it goes all to like you know spinal research and stuff, so we can help put Bruce back together. <laughs> Because you guys know I'm a big fan of reruns, so I'm going to try to break out some of those moves. If you don't have a red beret, I'm going to be awful upset. Oh, wizard hat, man. You know this. <laughs> that's true. Uh, 26. Oh, that 26 is you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, Adam, mm. you're the single guy in our little crew. Yes. So this question's for you. Would it be worth getting your butt kicked to get to roll around on the ground with Sharon Carter? All right. Um... The, the actress that plays Sharon Carter is, is an attractive lady. There's no doubt about that. Not necessarily my particular taste or whatever. If, if Gal Gadot wants to punch me around a little bit, I, I'm going to be A-OK with that. <laughs> That's your key. I already called dibs on that, Portress. <laughs> There's a couple others out there that would be would, would be perfectly fine as well. Not, not, not particularly for me. And, and that's not just because I've been bird by, you know, a blonde. <laughs> it goes a little bit beyond that. But, uh, yeah, I would... It'd be all right. It'd be all right. But <laughs> at, 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 th at this point right now, I'm just going to I'm going to have to say uh, yes to whatever comes my way. <laughs> <laughs> Choke me out, Sharon. Choke me. Out. It's an honest enough answer. <laughs> Twenty seven, Sean. Twenty seven. It finally happened this episode. I noticed a few places that are specific to Atlanta and it took me out of it. And this is going to happen more as time goes on in the MCU since everything is shot here. What can I do to hold my suspension of disbelief? So do you think the shooting might cool off in Atlanta anytime soon in the state of Georgia? I mean, it, it, they lost their all star game. Yeah. Same kind of thing happened in Charlotte a few years back. Yes. And the threat, the threat could definitely, could definitely occur. The issue is, it's an issue of infrastructure. You know, yeah. the, the, the Braves haven't pulled out of Atlanta. You'll know. There's yeah. a, yeah. there's a lot of uh, sports complexes throughout the country. There's not a lot of, you know, movie infrastructure that's, you know, peppered about as often as uh, stadiums are. And that's a big ship to turn. I mean, they could, they could definitely threaten the state and the state does listen to their threats. It has once before. So, I mean, that, that could definitely happen. Yes. To me, there's, you're right. There is a lot of that stuff. And, you know, even only having, you know, go to Atlanta, you know, several times, you know, for like Dragon Con and stuff like that, there's still things that I always will kind of pop in and see for sure. Like <laughs> we keep talking about blockers on all of our podcasts. I don't know why, but when, when blue, when that is uh, in blockers there, I'm just like, Oh, there's the Hilton right there. Or when they're traveling <laughs> in the elevator in, in the hunger games, I'm like, that's just the Marriott elevator. What are, you're going downstairs <laughs> in the Marriott elevator. That's not, come on now. So there's always going to kind of be some of that stuff that sort of happens. I don't know what I can tell. in Charlotte's the same way. You know, when there was some stuff shot here in, 
been there in Charlotte, you would always just go, oh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah, and it does kind of take the, you out the mansion it. that's in all the movies that needed a mansion when they were filming stuff in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. But, but for, for me personally, like I love the original True Grit and that scene where Glenn Campbell is riding his horse along the Rocky Mountains and he says, I finally made it to Nebraska. I had no problem with that. So I, I'm good to go. <laughs> I like that movie. 28. I think this is the question of the week. It comes to us from Kev. Kev writes, I'm loving the new show post blip. Marvel Earth is now subtly different from our own, which is going to be a boon to a lot of the future titles. Everything is so gray because it's all about survival. As such, well, we all are in, are we all in agreement? Sharon Carter is the power broker, right? That's from Kev. I love this question. I love that idea. I, I still don't know if the power broker is going to be Zemo or Carter, but I love this question, Kev. You've given me a lot to think about and to look for in the next three episodes. Now, it makes sense because she doesn't want to go down to see the scientist guy. She gets very upset when Zemo shoots him and stuff. So, like, to me, those are two big things that could really uh, – uh, go in the in the possible department for Kev's uh, query here. Yeah, and and if we've learned nothing from from Marvel, it is that they will set stuff up years in advance. So, like, have you guys seen that that the one triptych running around the internet right now of uh, of Captain America? And with then the taxi door you with a taxi door. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Just insane. So, so let me throw this out there to build on Kevin's theory with something else. I've already said before. Sharon Carter is the power broker. And because she's the power broker, she's already given juice to the new captain America and Battlestar, And she's who's sicking them on uh Zemo and company. Interesting. Well, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Like she is the government suddenly. I could see it. Yeah, I, I think I think there's probably more to her that that we're not seeing, and uh, maybe the whole um, getting a pardon or whatever is was just a big giant smoke screen. Because again, like I said, why would she be? Why would she be there in not a place like France? Yeah, she's there because they're there. Because that's that's where all the business is. That's where all she can get away with all the dastardly deeds and whatnot. Yeah, I by think the way, she's. By the way, Kev, we know this is you, Will Billy. <laughs> I don't think you're getting away without me going without the AKA 29. Will Anthony Mackie ever in his career have a better line than I can't run in these hills? Absolutely not. That is such an amazing line. It is so informative. It's wonderful. It is information hidden in a joke. It is what makes movies beautiful. I love it. And at the same time too, like, it, it kind of goes back because when when they're talking to the, the lady that ends up getting killed, she goes, you're taller than I would expect. So, like, we made him wear higher shoes because they thought maybe he needs to be a little bit taller, but maybe he didn't need to be a little right. bit taller. That's what I mean. That's I exactly that. what I mean. I love well, that. No, it also tracks because she's saying Smiling Tiger maybe has a little Napoleonic complex, so he wears the high heels to make himself look taller. Oh. But you put a regular size guy in those high heels and it looks uh, unusual. Not it's for wonderful. nothing though, but like she, with we we see the smiling tiger picture and everything. Wouldn't it just? Why is he not wearing a pair of glasses? I know it would make the character look stupid and really mess up everything, and we wouldn't be able to look at Anthony Mackie's beautiful face. But 
I would be putting those glasses on just because I'm like, what, am I going to take one thing away so they can see my face even more? No, wear those goofy glasses. Well, first of all, Adam, you know as well as I do, there's no bigger douchey LaRue move you can make than wearing sunglasses at night at a nightclub. It is literally the biggest douchey LaRue move you can make. Oh, yeah. And so, yes, your bad guys, your bad guys can wear their sunglasses in the nightclub, but you can't have one of your main cast members doing that. Yeah, I mean, not not for nothing. He would look ridiculous, but <laughs> if I if I was Falcon, I'd be like, uh, give me some glasses. I don't need people looking a little bit further into my eyes going, you're not the guy that I know who I know his regular drink that includes snake venom or whatever the hell's going on. And at that point, if you're going to go with the sunglasses at night indoors, you might as well go with the ones that are like mirrors on the outside, too. Oh, yeah. Like uh, he's a poker player <laughs> with the lizard eyes. You remember that guy? Let's wrap it up. With question 30. 30, this show is such an easy breezy watch. Is it because of the subject matter or is it the execution of the show itself? I think it's twofold. Mm. I think first off, they're playing it pretty safe. I mean, this is pretty straightforward superhero action stuff in terms of what's at the core of the plot. But then on, in, on top of playing it safe where people find a comfort zone, then they're doing just some excellent you know like the 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 80s buddy cop stuff that they're doing even that line about the high hills would have been at home and in a sequel to some buddy cop movie in 1989 or something and and they've got a great cast and it's just nice it's like you know if you've got the better football team you don't go out there and run trick plays you just line up and and take care of business and i think that's kind of what they're doing is they're they're just playing it safe they're running the ball and uh three yards in a cloud of dust and they're gonna win yeah, I think a lot of it is just the fact that, you know, it, it's such a different show than what we got with WandaVision. WandaVision, we were always kind of questioning and thinking and trying to, you know, be one step ahead of the show itself. This is a show that has a tiny little bit of that here and there, as we've you know talked about in these 30 questions. But it, it's not something that's so essential to the plot to where it's like we're really trying to, you know, debunk all the, you know, mysteries and all the little uh, stuff that they've hidden in the corners and stuff like that. For this, it, it is a more straightforward thing. And you can kind of, not in a bad way, but you can kind of turn off your brain for a little bit and just have some, you know, super fun with it. And then when those little nuggets of uh, mystery come about, it makes you kind of appreciate the show even more and not just like, oh, it's just another dumb action thing that we watch. So it's and it's the best of both worlds. I mean, I'll say this. The show is so comfortable. You know, it's so comfortable it works so well just on the surface that like, I don't even remember why they broke Zemo out of prison, but I'm still cool with it. Like, I don't really need to know because it just works for me. It's entertaining minute to minute. Yeah. We didn't have to take forever with it. I love the, you know, we're, we're not going to, you're thinking, oh, we're going to see this sort of, uh, this is what the idea of what this breakout would be. No, the breakout's already done. That was the breakout. He's here and let's keep on rolling. I do have to say that, you know, on a lesser show, that would be this entire episode is breaking him out. It was very, very well done. I mean, it, within within three minutes, he's out. Yeah, and you get the whole story, and you buy it enough, and you're like, all right, that, that makes sense. We're here, and now let's move on to the next bit. Seems right to me. I've never been in a German prison. <laughs> it all adds up. And uh, we hope this uh, added up as a very fun time for you this week. Uh, that will do it for this episode of Falcon in the Winter Soldier 30 Questions. If you'd like to get a sh uh, question on the show, make them short and sweet and send them to marvel30q at gmail.com. Uh, you just might make it onto the show here. Uh, Bruce, where can we find more of your work on the Internet, sir? 
I'm always directing people to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie. I've got a great flag smasher video up there if you haven't checked it out yet. And coming up this Thursday, I'm going to have a John Walker and Battlestar episode up. So uh, if you're enjoying Falcon Winter Soldier, some sort of related uh, media there on the YouTube channel. Sean, what else? Look, go to the mothership. Go to Hero Movie Podcast if you're listening to this. We're, we're talking about Godzilla versus King Kong this week. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we dusted up a little bit, me and me and Adam there. Yeah, we got going. into it. We got into it, you know, good natured, but we still got into it. Yeah. We, we, like, we came out, you know, the dust settled and it was all, it was all good. We still love That's each right. other. It's fine. But you know what? It is, it doesn't make for an interesting show. Uh, here, a movie podcast wherever you find podcasts. That's it, everybody. Join us next week as we ask another 30 questions for Sweet Sean's and Kovacs from the internet. Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Portress. Welcome, punch!
trouble to hear. 